With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of the Salt Bookman Show is underway. Man, this was a horrible weekend, wasn't it? No Arizona team won, period. Not men, not women. It was tough, although the women did perform very, very well. They just couldn't overcome that last that last couple minutes against both Oregon and Oregon State. The men, on the other hand, hey, same thing could have been said about Oregon, cannot be said about Oregon State. We're going to dive into all of that right now. Let's get to it. Hey, y'all. If you're like me, then you know how how much of a pain, chronic pain, <laughs> no pun intended, literally, literally is. You know, it's, it can prevent you from relaxing. It can prevent you from sleeping. It can prevent you from having a good time with your kids when you're when they're out there. They're trying to be, you know, active and and it just it holds you back, right? You can't enjoy golf. You can't enjoy playing hoops with your friends or anything like that. Well, my friends at Omax Health have a solution. If you're looking to get rid of that nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution called CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On. It is money. That's all you need to know. It is so awesome. And what it does is it's a, it's a non-prescription triple action formula that it, it essentially blocks some of those pain receptors and reduces inflammation and it improves muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is it's 100% natural. CBD powered remedy and it's it's fantastic, you know. And all you have to do is go to omaxhealth.com. That's o m a x health.com and right now for all listeners, if you enter the promo code overtime, you will get 20% off not only that product but any product site-wide. That's a tremendous deal. Take advantage of it. My friends, omaxhealth.com. Hey, it's there for you. What can you say about this Arizona basketball team, huh? I mean, a lot of you are very, 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 very upset, right? Understandably so. I understand why you're upset. I I know why a lot of you are clamoring for Sean Miller to get fired. I totally get it. You know, and it's uh, it's funny how far we can come in you know a year or so uh, from the FBI investigation uh, all the way to now, right? It, there's a lot of things that have that have happened, and I think what's happening right now as a fan base is expectation fatigue, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's start with this Oregon State game, and this is really the crux of it all, right? Two and five in their last seven ball games. That is not the Arizona way whatsoever. Uh, we were led to believe that this team was not going to be like last year's team, and here we are struggling um, to begin the conference season, one and two, dropping both on the road in Oregon, and it's it's not acceptable. And the reason why it's not acceptable isn't the fact that we lost those two games, right? It's how we lost those two games. Uh, it just, especially against Oregon State, 
you just got manhandled. And you, you got hoodwinked, you got run amok, you got bamboozled, whatever you want to call it. But Arizona was a fraud in that game. They were. They were a fraud in that game. We were led to believe that this team has started to figure it out. Um, they fell apart a little bit down the stretch against Oregon. They should have won that game, could have won that game. The opportunity was there to win that game, and they couldn't come through. Uh, the offensive sets at the end of that Oregon game eh, left a lot to be desired. So what? So we moved to Oregon State. That's, the, that's where we're going to start and end. Oregon State was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And there's no shame in losing to this Oregon State team. We shouldn't lose to Oregon State, period. But this particular Oregon State team has a lot of veteran leadership and guys that have been together for quite a while, led by Trace Tinkle. And he kind of led the way, right? He was very solid. And Trace Tinkle is the absolute leader on that team. He's, he's <laughs> the coach's son. He is a solid ball player. He knows what he's doing out there, and he took advantage of a very young, inexperienced Wildcats team that is still learning how to win. They're still learning how to win, and a lot of you don't want to hear that. You just want to think, hey, it's, gonna, it's just going to come, but it's not. Now, with the Miller frustration, I totally get it. I totally get the Miller frustration. No, I don't think he should be fired, um, but I will say that there are some costs for, for concern, and... One of the things that Sean Miller is going to have to do if he's going to stick around at U of A for longer than maybe the next couple years, he is going to have to change his ways. He just has to because what he's doing right now is not working whatsoever. All right, He consistently goes with the same rotations over and over and over again, and he'll give guys spot minutes. And whether they produce or not doesn't matter to him. He just he gives them spot limits. As long as you don't screw it up, then those are your spot minutes, and that's all it's going to be. He won't manipulate that time at all. Chase Jeter had no business being on the court the other day. Eight points, one rebound. One rebound. That's ridiculous. And, and you're talking about somebody that played 18 minutes, right? Um, Christian Coloco only got one rebound, but he only played eight minutes. And I will say this, he alters shots. He makes you think about what's... He makes you think about attacking the rim the way that people attack the rim with Chase Jeter. And so um, I, I would have liked to have seen Christian Coloco get in there a little bit more. I think he deserves some more time. He's very, very weak. Compared to the other bigger guys in this league, he's very weak. He needs a lot of work. We know this. We understand this. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't play him because the guy that you have that's taking that time away from him isn't producing either. So where are you going to go? You know, Zeke Naji played 30 minutes. He's seemingly the only one to show up all night, 21 points and nine rebounds. Uh, Nico Mannion continues to struggle, nine points, nine assists, which is great, but you need more from him. You just do. He's, he's the superstar, right? And he's not playing like it. He's a freshman. This is going to happen. And that leads me to the expectation overload. Year after year after year after year. We have these high rankings for these these U of A basketball teams, and they come in, and people think, "Oh, Final Four! This is the year! This is the year! This is the year!" You know, and I I've been guilty of that myself several times. I am not calling anybody out for anything that I have not done myself, but 
I think the last couple of years I have stopped and I have held back from saying like, oh, this is a, this team could do this and this team could do this. I'm not putting any expectation on on these kids because I have no idea what to expect. You know, you don't know how players are going to develop at the college level. You don't know how players are going to develop at the pro level. You have no idea. And all these fools that think they they can, they they don't know. They don't know. They don't have a magic. They don't have a crystal ball. If they did, they'd be they'd be coaching at a high level, or they'd be at a, they'd be a uh, you know a GM somewhere getting the best talent year over year. You know what I mean? Like. It's just there's nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can see the future and see how these kids are going to develop. They just don't, you know. And so with with these freshmen, and you have Nico Mannion, who hasn't lived up to the hype yet. He hasn't. He had a great start to his career, and then he fizzled out in December, and he's been okay since. He had a, he had a decent game in Oregon, and he had an okay game against Oregon State. But again, you're going to be judged as a guard at the University of Arizona on the wins that you can produce and how you can carry your team to victory. T.J. McConnell could do it. T.J. McConnell had a good, solid team around him. But T.J. McConnell led those guys. He led those guys. Coincidentally, T.J. McConnell had a lot of experience under his belt by the time he took the court for the very first time at U of A. And I think that's something that's completely overlooked. And I think... You know, when we we compared these these recruiting classes to unfairly, really, to like that 2014-15 Kentucky team, right? The one with Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns. But what we forget is they had Harrison brothers that were sophomores, and they had Willie Cauley Stein that was a junior. You know, and so they had a little bit more leadership in those key positions than normal, especially at the guard position. You need key leaders at those guard positions, and this Arizona team doesn't have that. Jamal Baker isn't isn't the leader you're looking for. He's, it's not like he's like, you know, a transfer senior and he can come in like a Mark Lyons can. We we brought in Max Hazard and Max Hazard is um is is good. He's good. He's not that Mark Lyons type that you're looking for, right? He's just not. So so you have to rely on these three freshmen and these three freshmen are kind of a mixed bag. You don't know what you're going to get game game in game game out. You know, with Josh Green, you know you're going to get that hustle. But shooting-wise, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what, what you're going to get on the boards. It's all over the place, and that's what you get with freshmen. Zeke Naji is probably the most consistent one, I will say. He, he, not probably, he just is. When he gets the ball, he can produce. He, he will attack the boards. He will play aggressively, um, and he plays hard. That's all you can ask for. But you don't know what you're going to get from most of these guys game in, game out. Dylan Smith, not consistent. Chase Jeter, not consistent. Uh, Jamal Baker, not consistent. Max Hassard, not consistent. Stone Gettings, not consistent. Christian Coloco, Ira Lee, the whole the list goes on and on and on. Nico Mannion. The entire team essentially is inconsistent. And as long as they stay inconsistent, you will get inconsistent results. You just will. And when I was talking about that expectation fatigue is every year we have these expectations of what these freshmen are going to do, and every year seemingly they don't live up to it. If you think about it, the last freshman to come in that didn't have any expectation on him because a lot of us didn't know what to expect. We just knew that he was a tall guy from Finland. And, uh, you know, Larry Markinen came in, and then all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, man, this kid is legit. And he went from not even being on a draft board to being a top 10 NBA pick, a lottery pick. You know what I mean? It's because we had no expectation of him. Halfway through the season, we had expectations like, oh, man, you know, this is – this could be legit. And he lived up to him for the most part until we got to the Sweet 16, and neither him nor Sean Miller wanted 
him to get the ball. Like, it just didn't happen. Eight minutes, and we all know that story. So um, expectation fatigue, uh, I think the fan base is frustrated because uh, they're set up for failure every single year. And it, uh, half of it is on their own doing. The other half is, you know, Sean Miller does a great job recruiting and getting players in here. But is he getting the type of players that are really going to make a difference, that really make a big difference, right? We're talking about players that can come in day one and just be that dude. We don't have those guys. We don't have those guys. We, we haven't had those guys in quite some time. You know what I mean? Like guys that you just know, like, you better give them the ball and get the hell out of their way because they're getting a bucket. You know what I'm saying? Like, have we had that guy in of, of recent memory? You know, DeAndre Aiden even, to a, to a certain extent, um, you know, he, he was that guy for in flashes here and there for sure. Um, but he also relied on the team to try and get him in the ball. And there was times, <clears throat> Buffalo, where they couldn't get him the ball to save their life. And the Wildcats struggled because of it. So... You know, I, I think you know when you look back at Sean Miller's time, you know the the good teams that he's had, they weren't really freshman reliant to a huge degree. You know, two, three, four guys. You know, what I mean, like the good teams, the good teams were always um, you know balanced with a little bit of experience, a little bit of some freshmen, some superstars, and uh, you know when you look back at the Elite Eight teams. You know, that's no different. 2011, you know, you had Derek Williams, who was a sophomore. You had a whole bunch of sophomores with him, so, uh, Solomon Hill and um, uh, Momo Jones. And, you know, and then you, it, you just you had a lot of good, solid players around him, right? And then you go and you move over to the T.J. McConnell years, okay? T.J. McConnell, back-to-back years. He's the point guard, junior and senior. You know, he's the one leading. And then you had Nick Johnson that, that second year, or that first year, sorry, that first year. Uh, veteran leadership at the guard position. Like, though, that's a key thing. Aaron Gordon was a phenomenal freshman, knew his role, played phenomenal defense, was able to alter shots, was able to block, um, or was able to dunk, he was able to jump out the gym. Um, you know, he, solid, solid players all over the court, right? And then you move that very next year, same thing. You have more experience coming back. Uh, Brandon Ashley comes back, you know, and you have experience all the way around the court, and you add one freshman, Stanley Johnson, who who contributes in a big time way. Like you had leaders at every position, or at least four or five on a on an eight nine man rotation. You had that. You don't have that at this current point. You don't. And it's not. And when I say you have leadership, I don't mean just because you're a sophomore or a junior, you're a leader. No, I mean you lead by example, whether it be in practice, outside of practice on the court, off the court, it doesn't matter. Like, I just don't see it on the court for this team specifically. I don't see anyone else that's really keeping each other accountable. It's like everybody's trying to find their way. It's, uh, it's, it's no different than somebody saying, hey, here's a task in a room of like 100 people and saying, hey, uh, this task needs to be accomplished here within the next 30 minutes. And so for the next 30 minutes, everybody's kind of wondering, like, Ooh, well, who's going to do what? What's going to happen? You know what I mean? And you got to try and figure it out. They're still in that figure-out process before they actually assign roles and get to it. And it's Sean Miller's responsibility to make sure that that happens. It absolutely is Sean Miller's responsibility to make sure that that happens. So it's, 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 it's not a fun time to be a Wildcat fan um, this week. But it's going to be okay. Utah and Colorado are coming in this week. 
Thursday, 6.30, McHale Center, Utah, and then uh, on Saturday at 12.30 in an afternoon tip against number 20, Colorado. And this is a good time for Arizona to try and figure it out and, and get back in that W column because uh, after that, they finish, up, they finish up their Arizona State series, um, which is next week. I can't believe that game is already back again. Isn't that crazy? It, is, it seems like they just, they just played like last week, two weeks ago. You, um, you have plenty of opportunities to get some big wins, but you're going to have to start producing now. It's either now or never. And so, anyway, uh, we'll move on. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about Arizona women's hoops and how they fared this weekend as well. Stay around. Arizona women's hoops. Uh, man, that was a that was a brutal weekend, right? Had a chance to pull off the upset against Oregon State, um, and down the stretch, just couldn't find a bucket um, to to take the lead, and ended up falling uh, in close fashion. Oh, it was so close. It was right there for the taking, and and they let that opportunity slip away. And then they come back against Oregon, and Sabrina Ionescu uh, ends up getting a triple double. And though they dropped uh, one to Arizona State, they come back and they get a much-needed victory on their end. Um, but they do drop down to number six in the country. Arizona still stays in the top 25, deservedly so. When you play two top f- five teams and you lose by a combined score of, what, nine points, you, you shouldn't drop that far. So they fall from 18 to 21, still stay in the top 25. But, man, they were so close. They were so close in both accounts. And each game had a difference um, you know, against Oregon State, they couldn't find enough offense to to overcome in the last couple minutes. Against Oregon, they couldn't get any stops, and Sabrina Ionescu ended up really kind of taking that team on her back down the stretch and and pulling through for the Ducks. So um, for Arizona, it's uh, they go on the road, and this is their first major test. I feel like uh, away from home, they're going to Utah and Colorado. And it should be a good test. It should be a very good litmus test to find out where this team can recover from after this um, beautiful home series in terms of crowd. You know, you had like 5,000 each game. Beautiful. They were loud. They were raucous. Um, oh, Pac-12 Network, I'm going to challenge you to do a better job on your broadcast because that was kind of weak, uh, especially uh, when you're watching uh, Arizona play. And it just felt like the enthusiasm was lacking severely on the play-by-play call, whoever that was. So... I will say that. Number two, Arizona has an opportunity. Ari McDonald didn't have the greatest game of her life against Oregon State. She bounced back um, in a good way against Oregon. But again, it's about the pieces around her that are going to have to find a way to get in to a, a mode where they can contribute on a consistent basis. It can't just all be about, um, you know, about, McDonald, and it can't all be about Kate Reese. Although, I will say, Lucia Alonzo had two huge threes down the stretch against Oregon, kept them in the ball game. It was fantastic to see. Lucia is one of my favorite players. I've known her since she came here as a freshman. We've spoken a dozen times. Um, she is just as, uh, uh, as solid a personality as you could hope. She works her tail off. She was running the point for as long as she could until, really, until Ari McDonald came into the fray. And uh, she's done a great job of supporting her, coming off the bench, playing her role. And uh, 
it was great to see her get 22 minutes the other day. Um, she had a nice little line, six points, four rebounds, four assists. But those threes, those two threes really kept Arizona in the game in the fourth quarter uh, when things started to look a little little shaky. And uh, I hope to see more from her as the season goes on. Um, everybody else, you know, you, like I said, you had Kate Reese who had 13 points, but she's got to do a better job on the boards. Three rebounds against Oregon, that is not going to cut it. 25-5 and five for Ari McDonald, and everybody else just kind of chipped in a little bit here and there. Sam Thomas had an uncharacteristically kind of off game, seven points, two, re, two assists, one rebound. And Sam Thomas is a perfect example of somebody that does a lot that doesn't show up on the on the stat sheet, but against teams like Oregon, you have to not only do that, but you also do have to produce things that you can tangible things that you can point to and say she had an impact on the game, right? I she her intangibles are off the charts. She's gonna die for loose balls. She's gonna make the smart play. She is as solid a player as you can get at this level. But she's got to produce. She's got to be that third person to help Kate Reese and Ari McDonald out. If she doesn't, this team is going to kind of struggle against premier competition. Now, I think they're going to take care of business against everybody else. I don't have a doubt about that. But against premier top-level competition like they just faced against Oregon and Oregon State, she's going to have to do a little bit more. And they are right there. Folks, they are right there. I went from thinking, man, this team's going to be pretty good they should make the tournament to, hey, don't sleep on this team. They might make a run at the Pac-12 championship in the tournament or regular season if they can just put all those pieces together. And they're getting Dominique McBride back, um, who she did come back, and then TTT Starks is still expected to come back. That's going to be a little bit more depth that they could definitely use um, and a little bit more scoring punch that they could use. As soon as Dominique kind of rounds back into form, she played 29 minutes. Only had four points and two rebounds, but as soon as she comes back into form, she's going to help out a great deal for sure. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do this week. I'm always excited for women's basketball. I'm a women's hoops nut. Hey, and shout out to the WNBA for making some changes. They're not all the changes that people want. There's still plenty more that can be done. But in terms of a, a good first step in the right direction, I thought this was a fantastic move. And so people like Ari McDonald are going to be able to benefit from that once they get to the WNBA. Base salaries are now going to be, uh, you know, the, the average base salary is going to be moved up almost $100,000. That's a fantastic, fantastic thing. You know, that's it's needed. It was needed on so many different levels, and I am so excited for the women in this game to be able to not have to worry about where the income is going to come from and they don't have to go to over they don't have to go overseas if they don't need to or if they don't want to um sometimes it was just kind of mandatory that's where all the money was at so they had to go to russia they had to go to greece they had to go to all these other countries to play now it's so great that they have the opportunity to possibly stay home and uh, take care of business here at home and so I'm extremely excited for that. I'm extremely proud of this women's basketball team. They are representing. They stayed after each game and signed autographs. I, nobody does that. And you know what? The men could take a lesson from that to try and, and, and gather some favor from the community because a lot of us don't know who these guys are. And when you get to meet these girls, face, these women face-to-face, and you get to sign an autograph and tell them how much you appreciate how hard they play and, and they sit, tell you, you know, thank you for coming out. It means something to us fans. It really does. And I think this is something that Adia Barnes is, has excelled tenfold. Now, she needed to because the women's program didn't have any clout. They had no, 
they had <laughs> no grip on the Tucson community, and now they do. And then when you add this on top of that, it just adds to the support that Adia Barnes is starting to to gain in this Tucson community and even nationwide with the Arizona fan base. So keep it up, Adia Barnes. Keep it up, U of A women's basketball. You guys are killing it. You're rocking it. And uh, that's my time for this week, folks. We kept it simple. We kept it short. We vented some stuff. We got it off our chest. Am I right? Are you? Are we feeling a little bit better out there, Wildcat Nation? I hope we are. Uh, it wasn't an easy topic to talk about this week. The men have got to bounce back. They've got to find themselves, and they need a leader. Who's the leader going to be? Got to figure that one out soon. The women, hey, keep handling your business. And, uh, you know, right now they're projected to be the number six seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, which is good. And, Four Pac-12 teams are projected to be the number two seed in the NCAA tournament, which is crazy. That's four number two seeds out of one conference. That's that's a bit crazy. But it would not surprise me by season's end if we have one or two one seeds from the Pac-12. And it definitely would not surprise me if Arizona can get to that three or four line. Hey, we're talking about hosting a regional. So that's that's the goal, right? If we That means that they're top 16 in the country. If they can get to that top 16 tier – Hey, they're in business. That's what I'm rooting for. That's what I'm hoping for. That's the goal. That's the bar that I'm hoping um, they can reach because I would love to go down to Tucson, sit on my fat butt, and just watch some women's hoops all day at McHale while waiting for the Wildcats to come out and take the floor in their first NCAA tournament game in God knows how long. That would be fantastic, right? Hey, take care of each other. I appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.